Well, good morning and welcome to worship. And I'm so glad to be worshiping with each and every one of you this morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I'm not on a sickbed. I'm glad Jesus saved me so I'm not in prison. Amen? Now, if I'm in prison, it's because I'm preaching the gospel. Well, today we're continuing on in our series, Acts of the Apostles, based solely on the book of Acts and the early church. You know, whether you realize it or not, our churches are under attack here in America. Yeah. And the title of this sermon this morning is How to Save Your Church. The devil and his agents hate what is happening here, and they will stop at nothing to destroy this place of worship. Don't you kid yourself. He is not happy when we worship God. He's not happy when we love each other. He's not happy when we spend time in prayer. He's certainly not happy when the word of God is preached. It seems more and more often now we hear in the news that a church has been attacked or, or is going through some, some, some kind of crisis, shootings, splits, adultery, fraud, you name it. A few years back, there was a church in Canton, North Carolina, in which a fist fight broke out over someone sitting in another person's pew. You know, I've heard of being territorial, but... And there's another story of a church in the mountains that literally split, literally split over the color of the songbooks. And the side that lost took chainsaws and sawed the little one-room church in two and carried their side away. Now, that's a lot of effort to bring glory to Satan. We just put some of that effort into bringing glory to Jesus. Well, just recently, the city of Houston demanded that five of its pastors turn over their sermon notes for scrutiny and evaluation of possible hate crimes for openly sharing what the Bible says about homosexuality. You see, why we hear of these things and we say, how foolish. Never think for a minute that something similar can happen in your church. Some of you may feel like none, none of these things could happen in our church, but do not be deceived. Satan is the father of all lies, and he's very good at it. 4CBC, just like all other churches, is filled with human beings. And one thing about humans is we're all still dealing with an unredeemed flesh. See, our spirit's been redeemed, but the flesh remains unredeemed, therefore the battle. Paul the Apostle talked about it at great, great length. He said, the things that I mean to do, I don't. And the things that I don't mean to do, I keep doing them. But it's not me, it's the sin that still dwells in my flesh. So after all, we're all sinners, saved by the marvelous grace of God. And trouble can rear its ugly head at any given moment if we allow it. Uh, there's an insert in here for if you're a guest with us today. I don't know, as I get older, I have to write things down to remember them. Our church can be one of two places. It can be a place where the Spirit of God manifests himself in power and where there's unity and love among the brethren. Or it can be a place where strife Conflict and division are allowed to develop and flourish. I thank God for the unity and the love that is here at Four Corners. Amen? Amen. But let us not take it for granted. Well, I want you to know that trouble is always a possibility. It does not have to happen ever. It doesn't happen. It doesn't 
have to happen. This was the Apostle Paul's intention in preaching these words of warning to the church at Ephesus. We read about them today. He wanted them to know that trouble can be avoided and that the church can dwell in unity and blessing if the church is willing to listen to what he has to say. So let's, let's read what Paul has to say. It's uh, Our next morning is Acts chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 28 through 32. It'll be on the big screen, but if you have a Bible, it's always good to be able to find these texts, these verses. Reading from Acts 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Sounds like he's talking to the preacher, doesn't it? He is. But he's not the only, he's not talking to just the preacher. We'll keep going here. Uh, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, this is Paul speaking, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I've never stopped warning you or each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Father, may your word not return void to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's talk about the church. Let's talk about the value of the church. Well, first, let's start with its inception. Verse 28 says, The church was purchased by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think the church is important? Jesus did. He died for the church. This tremendous price that Jesus paid for the church. He was rejected. He was beaten. He was hung on a cross and died. And he was temporarily separated from his father. Never been separated from it. Never been. He had always been with the father. But when he took your sin and my sin on, he was temporarily separated. Remember, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Great suffering that he he, he, he did that to buy the church out of slavery of sin and redeem us back to his father. God loved us so much that he said, I'm going to make a way to have fellowship with you again. Praise his holy name. So Jesus laid down his life so that the church could be born. No, oh, by the way, his blood hasn't lost its power. Amen. Woo! It's just as powerful today as it's ever been. And, he, and he'll come, all of us who come to him by faith will receive him into our hearts. Let me share just a couple of promises. Romans ten thirteen says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You listen, if you're waiting to get right to get with Jesus, don't. Get with Jesus and then you'll get right. Acts 16.31, we talked about this, uh, I think, a, a week or two ago. Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. This is Paul talking to the jailer in the middle of the night. By the way, he got baptized right away, too. I think that is so cool. An eager Christian. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. These are great promises. Well, let's talk about the impact of the church. 
the impact of the church. Since the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, the church has been used by God to change individuals, families, and whole societies. The church has always been an instrument of change in the world. Well then, amen. It's importance. What's the importance of the church? What makes the church so important today? Well, the church, us, not this building. The church is us. We're Jesus' feet on the ground. We're his, we're his arms. We're his hands in the world. The church is the vehicle. The church is the tool that God has chosen to do his world, work in the world, and God is wise. Sometimes I've asked, God, why would you choose to use people like me? I've got to trust his wisdom. Oh, I know. It has to submit to him. He can show his power. Exciting it is to be on mission with the Lord Jesus. The church is important because Jesus died for it. The lost people all around us. Church. Many people live as though the church were unimportant. Happens who claim to love Jesus. But the Baptist big three F's: funerals, feasts, and fight. It's okay to laugh. It's. It's sometimes who we are, sad to say. Some folks will travel from church to church looking for that perfect church. And then they join it and they mess it all up. There's no perfect church, is it? No, because it's full of us. Sinners saved by grace. Grace of which we didn't deserve. Unmerited favor, which Jesus Christ paid for. Let me remind you that the few hours that you and I spend in the Lord's house is the most important thing we do all week if you can be to work on time you should be able to be at church on time so that's just some of the value of the church well next let's talk about the violence against the church because it was happening then and it's happening now see while the church is absolutely essential to our world there are forces that would love nothing better than to see the church defeated and destroyed Most of those forces are external, but some, sad to say, are internal. There's two main areas where Paul says attacks originate. First, he says, there are enemies around us. Verse 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. You know, the analogy of the wolf is fitting because like wolves, those who prey on the churches are are like pack animals. Yeah, just kind of describing them so if you see one, you'll know. Yeah, they rarely work alone but feel safer and can do far more damage when operating in numbers and they often solicit their help through gossip. Whew, got quiet in here. You still with me? All right. Typically, they operate in the dark, kind of like cockroaches. Yeah. See, these these beasts are terribly afraid of the light because it exposes their errors and their wicked ways and intentions. This is why wolves will kick back against old-fashioned preaching of the Holy Word of God. Oh, they don't like it. We don't really need that. It's the 21st century. They don't like it. 
nor do they want it. This is the symptomology of wolves amongst the sheep. And another thing, they'll attack the young, the weak, and the sickly. See, the wolves typically go after those who cannot easily defend themselves against their attacks. You know, when I've said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, a predator doesn't run into the middle of a flock and grab a lamb. No, I wait for one of them to wander off. Now they're easy prey. That's why Jesus told us, forsake not the gathering of yourselves together, especially as the day approaches. We need each other. If you were the devil, who would you attack? Well, someone who's faithful to church, who's prayed up, who's studied up on a steady diet of the word of God and filled with the spirit. Or would you choose to go after one who is spiritually weak? who doesn't pray as he or she should, who misses more church than they attend, who who doesn't read his or her Bible as they should. Well, of course you would go after the weakest target. You'd find that weak one and get your foot in the door. Come on now. How many ever had a vacuum, I'm really dating myself, vacuum cleaner salesman come to the front door? They used to teach them. Yeah, all right, all right, good. I'm not the old timer here. Only old timer. Yeah, uh, they used to, without you seeing it, you open the door, they get their foot over here to the side. And they start talking, you try to slam the door, they got their foot in the door. That's where that term came from. I don't know, you know, if it was Hoover or who decided to make it, but it's hard once they get their foot in the door. So we need to be, our, our eyes need to be open. Our spirits need to be sensitive. You know when you witness another brother or sister who's filled with the Spirit, you can sense that love, you can sense that Spirit, but you can also sense when someone's not. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 27, Do not give the devil a foothold. Now this verse teaches us that we are to give the devil no place in our life. I try to allow him in on Sundays. Well, what about the other six days? It says, don't allow him any place in your life. God wants us holy. He's holy. His people need to be holy. We need to be a lot less like the world and a lot more like Jesus. Then we can have an effect on the world instead of the world affecting us. See, these wolves, they never attack face to face. They will always attack from the blind side when you let your guard down. And that is the moment when the enemies of the church will attack. You and I wander off by ourselves. So there are enemies around us, but there are also enemies among us. You say, well, really? Well, yeah, everyone's invited. We want everyone to come. This isn't a hotel for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, sick sinners that need Jesus. And they're going to show up with a lot of baggage. They're not going to have any spiritual discretion when they show up. So they need to be loved and watched. Hello. Paul warned the Ephesians that there would arise people from within their own numbers who would try to destroy the church. Verse 30, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Pastor Larry and I were talking about when uh, some people come to join the church, sometimes they're, they're really eager. Oh, listen, I want to start a small group. Great. What are you going to teach? Well, don't worry about that. Red flag. Hello. 
They got their own agenda. No, the agenda here is to teach Jesus. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. So, you know, uh, things haven't changed. When Satan finds that he cannot mount an attack from the outside, he will look for someone on the inside through which he can devastate and destroy the church. Don't you ever say it can't happen to you. Come on now. The minute we cop that attitude, he's got his foot in the door. Church allows itself to be divided over petty issues, loses face with the community and with the law. It hurts the name of Jesus. So how do we avoid conflict? How do we Tell you this, in the almost 16 years that I've been here, I've never missed a business meeting. We had one time when we got to argue and we stopped. Because the first order of business here is to get our hearts with Jesus. And the whole attitude of that business meeting just changed right there. See, it, it, we want to do the business of the Lord, but we want to do it in his love. How do we avoid feel loving, just tap into the Holy Spirit because he is love. Amen? God is love. If you need to feel more loving, then tap into the one who is love. I understand. We have our days, I don't feel loving. I don't feel like being in church. Well, you better come because that's where you need to be. Even as a pastor, Jerry, <laughs> there's times I get up and I go, it's Sunday. All right. I got to go to church. I'm the preacher. (laughs) Besides, I spent some good amount of time preparing a sermon, but I've never left like that because I've worshiped the Lord Jesus and I've worshiped with his saints. Always left with a full tank. Amen? That's what it's about. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13. I, I share this at every wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That one there, I've gotten some looks from potential grooms like <laughs> Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's why we listed first. It's the best way to avoid conflict is to do everything we do in love. Do it as unto the Lord. Second thing to avoid conflicts is we're to have a forgiving spirit. Sometimes, you know, we say, man, I've been saved now from blah, 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 this many years, you know, and, and uh, I'm sure glad I'm not like that sinner over there and we get this attitude and we forget that we didn't deserve forgiveness or his grace to begin with either, and we still don't. How many of you here recognize that his grace and mercy is a gift to you? Undeserving gift. Amen. Amen. We didn't deserve it then, and we never will. But he did it because he loves us. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Um, I was reading the Lord's Prayer at a funeral yesterday. And it says, forgive us our debts as 
we forgive. That means in the like manner. God, you forgive me just like I forgive others. Hello. That's the way it reads. Well, the third thing that we can do to avoid conflicts is we're to place the needs of others ahead of our own needs. So if, we have, if we're full of love and we have a forgiving spirit, this is going to be easy. We're going to be looking out for the welfare of our brothers and sisters. Paul writes in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, rather in humility value others above yourself. But I want the toilets to be blue. It's not about you. Thank God we've never had that discussion in this church. My head would just blow right off. But there, people have argued about the silliest things. And, and, and they'll, they'll call each other names. They'll get angry with each other over the silliness. And Satan loves that. He loves to stir that up. Listen, I challenge, I challenge you to be on guard for trouble in the house of God. And when you hear any divisions or mumbling or any gossip... Nip it in the bud. If you're going to come and tell me gossip and I listen to you, I am part of the problem. And and the age-old reason we listen to gossip is so we can pray better about it. I need the details. (laughs) Like God doesn't know what's going on. Lord, I need to give you all the details. He don't want to hear about it either. Listen, we can nip this in the bud. If you, if you hear, listen, if somebody's negative, say, what's going on? You all right? Usually, it's a miscommunication, a misunderstanding. Probably as much as 90% of the time, we misunderstood each other or we misunderstood what was said. Listen, defend your church. Defend your pastors. And defend your Savior's good name. Because if you don't, who will? And we talked about the value of the church. We talked about the violence against the church. Now let's talk about the victory of the church. I thank the Lord that we can enjoy victory this morning. We don't have to wait to get to heaven. Listen, if you're waiting to have joy in your life to get to heaven, Paul said you're going to be more miserable than anybody. Your church and mine does not have to become a grim statistic. We will find victory in two main ways. First way is dependence upon God. We don't got this. That's a statement I hear. Oh, we got this. I saw a billboard down there. One of these attorneys says, we got this. We don't got this. He's got this. Amen? And the minute we stray away from that is when his power is no longer seen amongst us. We wanna, I want to see his power. I want the place shaken. The church is God's responsibility, not ours. He said, you and I, our responsibility is to plant the seed and this person is to water it, but God brings the increase. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. As long as the church is in America and on earth, hell will not prevail against it. That's a promise from the Almighty. 
I trust him. Sometimes it looks like they're prevailing pretty good against it. Did you know that the church thrived the most when it was under persecution? Oh, we don't want to hear that. We're in America. Everything should come easy with four choices. No. We've talked the last couple weeks about prisons and praise and prisons and ministry. See, if we will walk in love, practice forgiveness, obey him in all things and glorify him in the church, then he will see to it that this church survives the battles and remains a blessing to the world around us. He will see to that. He's got us. Jesus Christ must remain our centerpiece. By the way, he's not on a cross anymore. I've seen a lot of centerpieces where their Jesus was still on the cross. No, our Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. The cross is empty, but it is bloodstained. He must remain our centerpiece and the focus of all we do here. We must do everything we do to move people closer to Jesus in their relationship. First and foremost is to bring them from way out here to not knowing anything or wanting to know anything about God to coming to know that there's a Jesus who loves them just the way they are. And then after they accept them to grow in discipleship, become a great servant of the Lord. We must do everything we do to bring glory to God in all things. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. It's not about to live long enough to collect Social Security. I'm kind of hoping, but uh, it's not a requirement. Our purpose for being alive is to bring him glory. And the more glory you bring him, the more glory you'll experience. Well, the victory of the church is dependence upon God, but it's also a deepening relationship with God and others. I want to read a verse since we're in Acts. This was their guideline for meeting together. This was their guideline, small groups. Okay? Acts chapter 2. I want you to write this down on your notes. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's the four components of a successful church and even more of a successful small group. Here we go. Listen to this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing in meals. Do you notice that fellowship and sharing in meals is two separate things here? You didn't know that, did you, huh? You say, let's have a fellowship. Oh, good. What are we eating? And prayer. So I listed it prayer first because prayer is the most important thing. And it's the least thing we do, uh, it's the thing we do the least often. We choose to pray most when we're in extremis. We think we got it. Pray, pray constantly, fervently, individually, and corporately. Pray for our needs. Pray with gifts of thanksgiving to God. He's worthy of our praise. Jesus showed us how to do it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. He started it by worshiping the Father. And then praying for the needs of others. There's much to pray about. And then studying the word of God. It says here, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't have the luxury of having 32 translations. So they, they studied the word of God as the apostles gave it. 
And it says, and, and they fellowshiped. You know what that word means in the Greek? They did life together. They did life together. There's people in your family you're obviously doing life with. There's people in your neighborhood. There's people on your job you're doing life with. But these are the essential parts of a thriving, healthy church and a healthy small group. And they ate meals together. Amen? So in closing, if you're here this morning and you're not only not a member of a church, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that makes you an orphan. But if you're here and you're not only not a member of a church, but you're not a member of God's family because you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins and invited Jesus to be your savior, I encourage you to make that decision right now. There is no good reason on earth to wait. So I'm going to ask you all to just bow your heads. Please, nobody moving around. This is the most important part. Believers, I want you to pray. Because see, if God doesn't reach out and, and draw someone to himself, they can't come. But if, if God's been dealing with you with our heads bowed, he's been dealing with you and you say, you know what? I've heard a lot about this, but I've never, that I can remember, ever asked Jesus to come into my life and to become my savior. I've never asked God to forgive me of all my sins. But I want to. I want you to pray with me. I don't want you to repeat after me. I want you to pray with me. See, the most important things that we've got to understand is that we're sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. Jesus said, if you've broken one commandment, you've broken them all. In other words, we stand guilty. So if the first thing you do is you recognize that you're a sinner. That sinner separates you from a holy God. You cannot access the throne of God because God cannot have sin in his presence. And so what happened is Jesus died and he was the perfect acceptable gift. He never sinned and he came and he died making him the perfect acceptable gift to the father in your place. So if you'll just pray with me and say, God, I am that sinner. And I want, I want you to forgive me, please. Forgive me of my sins, all of them. And I accept today Jesus as my Savior, my personal Savior. And I ask God for you to come into my life. I'm tired of doing life alone. Forgive me, accept me, and fill me. In Jesus' name. Now with our heads bowed, if you made that decision this morning, my goal is to not embarrass you. My goal is to give you an opportunity to share that. So if you'll take a card and just write it on there, I ask Jesus Christ to be my Savior and give me or Pastor Tony or Pastor Larry a chance to just talk with you. I want to make sure this is the most important thing you will ever do. Ever. I was at a funeral yesterday, and I said, you don't have to be old to die. You don't have to be sick to die. You and I do not have a guarantee for tomorrow. 
Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for drawing. I pray that someone, if there's anyone in this audience that doesn't know you, that they asked you to be their savior, Father. Thank you for drawing us and making a way. You open your eyes now. Believers, church members, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment this morning, but don't come out of your chair. I want you to think about it before you get up. Who here will join me by standing? Now, this is not to embarrass somebody who doesn't get up. God, this isn't for neighbors, for God to see, to say, I will stand up and make a commitment that with God's help, I will do my very best to be part of the solution here at Four Corners and not part of the problem. If you mean that from the bottom of your heart, you stand up and make that commitment to the Lord God. Absolutely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your people, your precious people, the people you love so much. I thank you for their commitment, Lord, and I pray that you'll work strong amongst us, that we'll not lean on ourselves, but we'll lean on you and each other. In the days ahead, Father, please use us to build your kingdom and shake the gates of hell. Your your people said, amen.